sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. We've got an American League Division Series showdown tonight in Major League Baseball as the New York Yankees and Tampa Bay Rays will play one more time to determine who gets the American League Championship Series. Will it be one more time for the Miami Heat or Los Angeles Lakers? Nobody knows. It is, of course, do or die for Miami tonight. Lakers can take home the title in the NBA Finals. And, of course, we move toward the weekend here in fantasy football. And Joe Pizzapia, Craig Mish here with you for the next two hours navigating this wild, wacky season in the NFL as well. Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon, Craig. And everyone is so lucky to have us. We are the navigators here. We are the explorers. We are in uncharted territories, unprecedented times in the world of sports. And uh, it's a good thing that uh, everyone has us here on Sports Grid. I'll say that. And yes, tonight is a huge Friday night, not just for the Yankees, but for the Lakers as well. So a lot of things to watch and a lot of information to be trickling in here. More tests positive, more tests negative. Oh my goodness, the next two hours I'm sure are going to be fun, but now the Jets send everybody home today, so we'll see how that all works out in the next couple hours. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, this is just the kind of season that, for fantasy owners, is a nightmare. And, and I think that for a lot of you who do watch and who are playing out there, uh, you, you kind of have to have the same understanding in baseball, which is this. If you decided to plunk down a lot of money in a fantasy football league this year, it's kind of on you. You, you kind of had to know that this was going to be the case, at least to a limited degree. It's now getting to the point where it's more than probably most people expected. And, and also legitimately at the end of the year, when you take home your championship or you take home your belt, or even if you finish in last place at the end of the season, I wouldn't feel too good about yourself. I wouldn't feel too bad about yourself. Nobody could have seen all of this stuff happening like this. And that's where we'll start today, because if you have Kyler Murray or DeAndre Hopkins or the running backs on Arizona, or if you were crazy enough to start somebody on the Jets, you don't know if you're going to have them on Sunday because the Jets sent all their players home today with a potential positive test. We don't know the outcome of that. We already have games Monday night and Tuesday night as well, at least for the time being. Uh, simply put, it's a mess. It, it is a it is a mess at this point. And, and the great thing about being home on a Sunday was getting to watch a lot of football. I mean, are there going to be five games on Sunday? I'm not even sure at this point. But um, <laughs> it, it's just disappointing to see. Nothing we can do about it now except for move forward and try and react to it. Nick Foles ends up beating Tom Brady on Thursday Night Football. I guess that that's his kryptonite at this point, although Brady at the end of the game definitely – for the first time in my life watching him play, looked like he actually could have cost his team the game, not knowing how many downs there were in that one. Uh, Braves and Dodgers will face off in the NLCS. The Braves just dismantled the, the Marlins. The Dodgers took out the Padres. Best two teams, I don't think anybody would argue, in the National League. Astros are back in the American League Championship Series. They smashed the Oakland A's yesterday. And they're going to face the winner of New York and Tampa Bay. Of course, Yankees will play tonight in Game 5, one of the more anticipated games in baseball this season. Uh, Broncos-Patriots move to Monday night, so two Monday night games there. And again, for the time being, we have Titans and Bills move to Tuesday, but they've made it pretty clear if the Titans have any more positive tests, that's the end of their game next week. So it's it's a very much influx weekend in both fantasy and DFS and everything else. And, uh, and and look, it's it, it's just the nature of what's going on this year. We saw it in baseball where 
you know, even seeing more of it in the NFL, more teams affected by it in the NFL. But again, there's more players involved and, and maybe that's part of it. I, I really don't know the answer. Well, we got Monday night football, Thursday night football and Tuesday night football. Oh my goodness. Look, I, I like football more than most people, but uh, look, it's getting a little crazy right now, having different games isolated different times. Now we're getting an early game on Monday, but this is what the NFL is going to have to do. And everyone, including fantasy owners are going to have to kind of be malleable towards it. You have to have a plan. Uh, we go into the season talking about the depth of bench and also kind of going into the season, having the same conversation that we had in season long baseball too, which is if you're making big investments, it would probably be smarter to pull out of those leagues and in favor and go a little bit more towards the DFS side if you are somebody who also played DFS. And that's something that I know I did a lot of this year, uh, moving some of my season long and saying, hey, I'm not going to do this league or I'm not going to buy into this league now because of what's going on and moving that into the wagering and into obviously uh, the FanDuel side of things. And even that is very difficult now because you do have to manage it all the way up. We, you know, we talk about that daily on the baseball podcast I used to do. It's about managing daily. And if you don't have the availability, to see everything as you get all the way up until lineup lock, then you are going to be at a deficit. But I would say this, this week in DFS, I would treat it almost like a huge bye week. That's, I think, what you have to do. And you have to get a little clever. You have to look for, I think, the sure things, be willing to pay up for those. And I know we'll talk a lot of DFS and a lot of FanDuel today later in the show. But I think that is the key. And also targeting some of these guys that are going to actually be able to be those lineup builder guys, the Alamedes, the Chaoses of the world, guys like that who might be involved in their offenses and be very, very, you know, basically free squares in terms of price. And that will allow you to go up to the top of the board to the guys that you know are going to have big totals because when you're taking a lot of pieces away, potentially, already with the buy with the Packers, you lose the Lions, you're losing some other games getting moved, all of a sudden things become very different. And I think that is something you have to keep in mind and prepare for. And you're going to have to find some of those hidden gems this week and you have to use them in order to get to the big time scores because those are the guys you're going to need to pull you over pay lines this week. My $5 fan duel, I feel like I'm burning it this week, but I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to I'm going to get involved. Got a couple of good options here. I think I'm ready to make $8 this week and and I'm going to lay it all on the line with with 5 bucks to see if I can make it happen. But if not, I may not be able to come back next week. I may have to work some extra shows. We'll see what happens, but uh, just root for me this weekend because it's really it's a crucial weekend for another five bucks. Uh, but I will talk about that coming up a little bit later as well. Uh, Jim Sanis is going to join us, and we'll go over uh, some of the different uh, possibilities. Uh, also, in terms of picks, a couple of games at the Westgate and the Super Contest off the board. Now another one too. Wild week in fantasy. We'll have the standout from last night next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. Before we get to our fantasy standouts, just want to pass along our condolences to the family of Whitey Ford. Uh, Whitey passed away at the age of 91 today. Great Yankee Hall of Famer. Uh, many championships, of course, in the 50s uh, with the Yankees. Also lived in Fort Lauderdale, which is about 15, 20 minutes uh, from me. And Joe, certainly one of the great Yankees of all time. And, uh, I mean, I mean, you hate to just lump people together and you want to honor them individually. But mm -hmm. Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Whitey Ford, all within like a month? 
I mean, this is just, I mean, the, the Hall of Fame and baseballs has lost some some really significant names this year. Yeah, it really has. And just in a short period of time, too, when you think of the 50s and 60s and Major League Baseball, I mean, those are the names, right? Uh, so it's almost like you're losing an entire generation of greats all in one month or so. And that is just, it's just horrible. But what, what an incredible career, 91 years old, Whitey Ford, and uh, 11 pennants, six world championships, and a 690 winning percentage. And we were talking uh, before the break here, uh, before he came back, about winning percentage. You know, this is when winning percentages meant something. This is when guys were going out there and throwing eight, nine innings pretty much every time out. So when you have a 690 winning percentage in the major leagues, I know he pitched on some really good teams, but a lot of that is Whitey Ford. And maybe he doesn't get enough credit at being one of the great pitchers, too. Uh, you know, maybe he doesn't statistically accumulate like some of the other guys that, you know, sometimes get mentioned. But, man, I mean, how important was he to that Yankee dynasty there in the 50s for sure? And uh, very sad news, certainly not just for baseball, his family, but for all of us as sports fans, especially New York sports fans. Yeah, I think he was the oldest living Hall of Famer, if I'm not mistaken. I think you might be right. So I think you might be right, yeah. Well, um, you know, certainly condolences to him and um, we'll we'll continue to respect him as well as the Yankees family today. Certainly, it's interesting to have Garrett Cole on the mound for that game tonight makes it a little bit more Mm -hmm. interesting, too. All right. Let's touch on fantasy standouts from last night as let's take a look at it here in the NFL. Tom Brady, 25 for 41, 253 and a touchdown. Probably should have had a better game. A lot of field goals in that game last night, unfortunately for him. And then at the end of the game. Didn't know how many downs there were. It's just such a rare thing to see. Uh, Ronald Jones played very well. 17 carries, 106 yards, three receptions, 19 yards for him. Mike Evans was in and out in and out of the game plan. Kind of felt like when they were getting near the Renzo and they were targeting him a bunch. Other than that, didn't do much. So you get your 15 fantasy points. I suppose you could live with that. David Montgomery didn't do much on the ground, but did catch seven balls for 30 yards and a touchdown. Had actually the game-winning catch for them to kick the field goal as well. Allen Robinson, another monster game. Maybe Nick Foles is, is going to help him a little bit, hopefully. Ten receptions, 90 yards there. And then Jimmy Graham, another touchdown for him. He was targeted a couple times in the red zone. Caught mm-hmm. one, drop one. Three receptions, 33 yards, and a touchdown. But uh, Bears upset the, the Buccaneers there, Joe, yesterday. So they sure did. I guess the wrong team was favored in the end. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong team was favored. And you pointed out, I mean, look, these uh, these home dogs, <laughs> some of these isolated games, they tend to show up there. I guess the ones that are not named the Jets. Uh, but Jimmy Graham, you know, that was the fantasy trivia last week, right? Who had the most uh, red zone uh, targets more than anybody else? It was Jimmy Graham, if you could believe it. And he had a ton of touchdowns and receptions there compared to everybody else. And I know it's a small sample size, but it's a trend and it's something you have to pay attention to. And I understand that it's touchdown dependent in terms of his value. But you know what? If he's getting so many opportunities, that's something you look forward to. Uh, I would also say that um, Tyler Johnson and Darnell Mooney in deeper leagues are two guys to keep an eye on the second half of the season. It seems like Mooney was getting a lot more opportunities there. Foles, unfortunately, missed him. He was wide open at one point in this game and just completely whiffed on where he was throwing the football, which is a terrible job by Foles, who was very inconsistent in this game. He had a couple good moments and some awful moments and a few moments where really – we're talking fingertips, we're talking inches, in which cases the game would have changed because we're talking all these interceptions that could have been, they were in the hands of some of these defenders. No surprise that David Montgomery had a tough night. Uh, we talked at length yesterday on the program about how good that defense is for the Bucks against the run. So getting him involved in the past was very smart. In fact, I'm surprised they didn't even do more of that because it seemed like every time they did, Montgomery was open and Montgomery was able to get some yardage and make things happen. Huge loss, though, with Vita Villa. Uh, being out now for the year. That was a huge loss to that front. Um, 
you can't even you know begin to describe it at the end of this game to not good and not good was tom brady at the end of the game not knowing that it was fourth down and troy aikman was talking about it on the broadcast craig and he made the mention of sometimes when you clock the ball you forget uh, but still this is tom brady this is the goat that was very human like for somebody that we're very used to being i don't know not human when it comes to this sort of uh situation so that was a very strange thing, but I guess the biggest fantasy thing to take out of this for me was Ronald Jones' night because I think that is the death knell of Leonard Fournette. Uh, Ronald Jones was terrific in this game. So going forward, he does have to continue to catch the ball a little bit better, but it seems like it's Ronald Jones' backfield and Fournette is going to be an afterthought the rest of the season. All right, let's move over to baseball a little bit, and congratulations to the Atlanta Braves as they definitely deserve to go to the National League Championship Series. And wouldn't you know, after three games, do they have three viable starters in Freed and in Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright? Because all three of them look like they maybe could give the Dodgers fits. We'll see. Right, six innings pitch, seven strikeouts, three hits, two walks. Remember, Kyle Wright was supposed to be really good. It just didn't work out that way last year. Maybe he's finding himself a little bit. Uh, Travis Darno has been fantastic. Another home run for this guy. <laughs> two more hits and a run and a walk as well. Michael Brantley keyed the Astros win with two home runs in this game. Three RBIs, three runs scored. Carlos Correa with five runs driven in. A run, a walk, and three hits. Ramon Laureano uh, basically was given – a lot of people said he was given the pitch by Zach Greinke. I don't know if that was the case, but Greinke put up the number two. He did throw a curve. Laureano hit it out. I don't know if Greinke was trying to get too cute there or if he just wanted the second sign. But I don't think you're going to see him doing that again. Let's put it that way. Two hits, two home runs, four <laughs> RBIs for Laureano, two runs scored. Uh, Glaber Torres with a big home run for the Yankees yesterday. He also had two hits. And then the biggest story of all was Will Smith getting five hits, first catcher ever as a rookie in postseason history to get five hits in a game. Also had three RBIs and one run. So I, I think that there was some hope, Joe, that maybe we would have some of these division series going the distance in five. But as it turns out, the Dodgers just imposed their will on the Padres, and I think they'll make it very tough, certainly, on on anybody who they play, whether it's the Braves uh, or in the World Series against the Yankees, mm -hmm. the Rays, or even Houston. And and Oakland did their best up against the wall. They picked off a game against Houston. Houston definitely showed their medal in this series, too. But the only one that's going five is New York and Tampa Bay. That's it. That's the only one. And I will say this about the Dodgers, too. Very impressive, not just with Will Smith and all those hits, but no home runs in that game for the Dodgers, right? They just kept getting hits, kept pounding away. They could beat you with defense. They could beat you with some speed. Guys like Mookie Betts, they can beat you, you know, with home runs. They can beat you just by uh, basically single and doubling you to death. So, uh, and of course, let's not forget some of uh, great pitching there with Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. So that's what makes the Dodgers so tough. And you're absolutely right. I think this is a huge moment here for guys like Freed, Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright, the Atlanta Braves to really step up and show what they're worth. Now, let me tell you, this has been a great showing here. It's tough because that Marlins offense was working at a deficit, but you have to be at least encouraged. you got to imagine that they take some of that confidence into this next series with them. They should. To me, the most important guy is Anderson because I expect Freed to be competitive without a doubt. But if Ian Anderson can have the kind of game that he had a few days ago, that is a huge difference maker and a huge confidence boost for the rest of this whole Atlanta team. Uh, Atlanta Brave lineup, very good. But Ian Anderson right now has become that crux of that rotation where he has to kind of perform there in that whether he's the two or the three at this point, however, they're going to line things up to me. That is the guy to keep an eye on. And tonight should be really fun. I mean, this is a great series between the Rays and the Yankees here, and they're going to push it all the way to the end. And much to the chagrin of everybody out there, the Astros are advancing yet again. And um, look, I mean, <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. 
The question is, what's left in the tank for the Astros at this point, Craig? And do you think there's enough to beat the Yankees or the Rays at this point? Uh, may, maybe so, and 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 they don't they don't stack up well against those two teams. But look, they really have done a good job getting to this point. They've been there before. They'll face a lot of criticism, and and sometimes those teams need fuel, and they they have it right now. Nobody wants them to win, and they are, and maybe that's what they'll be able to carry. And uh, it's a seven game series now, so it's kind of like anything goes. But I think without question, if Major League Baseball was asking for something, they got what they wanted tonight because you're going to get Garrett Cole, Tyler Glasnow in probably the biggest baseball game of the season up against nothing on a Friday night until the NBA begins, and then the game at that point will be mostly in hand, you would assume. And we're going to preview that game coming up in just a little bit. But speaking of the NBA, we have the tip drill coming up next. Who do you play in DFS tonight? He's had a couple of days off. Will their guys be healthy against LeBron and the Lakers? We'll have Jeremy and Greg tell you after Chris's update. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. going on i am greg sauceman joined today by jeremy stein of sports grid who's here to break down tonight's nba finals matchup between the los angeles lakers and the miami heat what's going on jeremy the lakers are up three to one and they are looking to close down the series tonight and in an effort to do that i feel like for the first time off series you're going lebron and ad in the lineup here and we begin with lebron james he's your mvp for tonight, potentially the MVP of the series, if it closes out, if it closes out tonight, LeBron, the most expensive player on the board, he's sixteen thousand dollars. Why is he your MVP tonight? For me, it's really a toss-up between him and AD. They're the two most consistent, highest-scoring players on the slate. And to be honest with you, they make up the bulk of the fantasy points that the Lakers score in general. And in this spot, it is very hard to fade LeBron James in a closeout finals game where he's playing probably about 40 to 41 minutes. So I really like him tonight. He's going to crush the zone defense. And I think that he's probably going to be close to another triple-double. Exactly what you predicted in game four, exactly what happened in game four. We'll expect more of the scene tonight. All season long, it's been LeBron and Anthony Davis. Earlier in the postseason, you're like, well, that's not enough. They, they need to spread the ball around. They haven't, and it's worked out for them. 3-1 here in the finals. Anthony Davis, the star player for you in your lineup. He's 15500 tonight. As you mentioned before, LeBron and AD are the Lakers' offense, and you've gone with AD here as your star. Yes, he's actually playing slightly more minutes than LeBron on a per-game basis, and I believe that that's just more of a function of age at this point. However, he is very productive on both sides of the floor, and he, against Bam tonight, should have really strong numbers. I imagine Bam not 100% here. Anthony Davis is taking advantage of that. He's had more rebounds in every game that him and Bam have both played tonight. We'll expect more of the same at the game from AD as he looks for his first NBA Finals win. Let's move over to the Heat, and let's move over to the Pro. You're staying away from Jimmy Butler tonight once again, and you're going with Tyler Hero. Hero is $11,000. We've still been waiting for him to get as scorching hot as he can from behind the arc. It hasn't happened. Why may that change tonight? The Lakers effectively shut down Jimmy Butler last game, which is amazing because he still put up a 
phenomenal amount of points. And I expect much more of the same. So I'm really looking for the wings to carry a lot of the shots this evening. And Tyler Harrow is just a great shooter. So again, he has the opportunity to put up those points. But I have noticed a key difference throughout the series. The absence of Goran Dragic, the floor is not nearly as spread as it needs to be. So it is slightly riskier. Harris excelled as Goran Dragic came on during the postseason, during the bubble in Orlando. Without Dragic, it's just a bit of a mess for the Miami Heat offensively. Harrow looking to get going, and the time is now here in Game 5 with the Heat on the brink of elimination. One last player to get to. He's your utility spot tonight, and it is Jay Crowder. Crowder is $9,000 here against the Los Angeles Lakers. He's obviously gotten more minutes without Dragic in the lineup. Crowder, why do you expect him to pull through tonight uh, and make it worth your while to put him in your lineup? So Crowder, interestingly enough, has been playing very well throughout the entire playoffs, to be perfectly honest with you. And I don't think that he gets enough coverage from the national media. I think only in Miami is he really getting a lot of props of how well he's played. He's a very consistent performer and he's relatively cheap here. So I think that he's a great candidate for the utility spot. And if you're going with a roster like this, you're going to end up with one of the lower priced Lakers. You're absolutely right. You're going to wind up with lower-priced Lakers, but getting someone like Jay Crowder is worth it because the minutes have been there and so has the production. Crowder, an excellent start tonight, especially at this price. Under 10K here in the showdown slate, $9,000 for Jay Crowder. That's going to do it for us here on the NBA Tips. Well, Jeremy, this may be the last edition of the season. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully the Heat can come through and make it a little bit more of a closer series, but for us to come back, it needs to go to Game 7. Well, we hope it does. For Jeremy Stein, I am Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for hanging out with us throughout the season and the bubble and the postseason here in the NBA Tip Show. It has been an absolute blast, and we can't wait to do it again next year. Jeremy Stein, I'm Greg Sussman. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see you back here next week for more basketball, we hope. All right, thanks so much all season, Greg and Jeremy, and uh, and we would love to see, I would love to see the tip drill continue, but that would mean that the games would go beyond tonight and would go beyond Sunday, and the Heat would have to tie the games, uh, the series up at three for there to be a game seven. So I'm hoping for that, but I don't know if that's realistic tonight. We'll just have to see. All right, game five of the American League Division Series. It is win or go home. The biggest game of the 2020 baseball season is this evening. So let's take a look at the matchup here, Joe. And the Yankees are significant favorites tonight to advance to the America League Championship Series. Why? Of course, because they have Garrett Cole on the mound, who will be short, uh, starting for the first time all season long on short rest. Tyler Glass now is starting for Tampa Bay on short rest as well, and even shorter rest than Garrett Cole. So Cole, in terms of what he is been brought in to do this is it this is why you pay a guy 300 million dollars it's to take the ball here for tampa bay it's really unclear as to how long glass will go in this game but i suppose the thought process is a few innings at the very least let's start off by hearing from garrett cole who's going to take the ball tonight and arguably the biggest pitch that he will throw since he was with the houston astros i mean i've i've spoken to a few guys that have done it before and uh you know it's it's 
it's not something that's probably sustainable for the whole season, but it's certainly, you know, certainly the, the human body is capable of doing it. Um, you know, we saw the Brewers ride CC very hard to that majestical run, and we, we we pushed Justin Verlander out there on short rest last year, and and he pitched on short rest a few times before, and I think so is Granky and so is Dallas, some of those guys that I talked to about it, and, um, you know, I mean, it just kind of it is what it is. You got you got to go out and do your job. So um, you know when when the lights turn on, it, it doesn't matter if it's three, four, five, six, seven days. You got to do your job. So. Also last night after the game, Kevin Cash, the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, discussed going into Game Seven and kind of what we could expect. Well, it helps. I mean that that we've had plenty of reps, uh, and yeah, we have had. We've got you know specific guys that have had success, and we've had the ability as a team to, at times, we maybe didn't do it in game one, but we to drive this pitch count up a little bit to where he didn't get as deep in the ball game as maybe as anticipated. Uh, but I think those at bats we're gonna have to pick up right out of the gate and start having some good at bats. Uh, and go ahead and get his pitch count up and come make it come with some, some big hits, timely hits with guys on base. Joe, it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic tonight for sure because this is basically why Garrett Cole is in New York to pitch these mm-hmm. games. But on the flip side, the Rays have made a living off proving people wrong and winning games. So it, to me, it's just a fascinating matchup. It's one to me that is honestly a coin flip because I could see Cole going very deep into the game and doing very well. But at the same time, I'm not ready to count the Rays out of anything, given what I've seen from them the last few years. So it's one of those games where if you're watching on TV, you just sit back, relax and enjoy because there's a ton of pressure on both sides tonight. There is. Uh, I'd say there's more pressure on the Yankee side of things because, well, they're the Yankees. And certainly from Garrett Cole's point of view, this is, like you said, the reason why you bring him in in the first place, it's this kind of a game, it's this kind of a moment. And he has shown uh, the last few years here with the Houston Astros that he is up to the task with those big-time moments. So for me, I do think all the pressure is on Garrett Cole, or at least most of it, but I think he's up to the task. I mean, that's what I learned about Garrett Cole last year. The guy was absolutely incredible in the playoffs last season, and he's picked it up in the playoffs this year too. The Yankee offense could do a great job here by putting him a run or two or spotting him a run or two early in this game. I think that takes a little bit of pressure off of him. If I am the manager of the New York Yankees, I am talking to my offense saying, look, you need to make sure you go out there and find a way to scratch a clot or run or two here and give a little bit of a just a little bit of sigh of relief and then let Garrett Cole out and do his thing. But you're right. In terms of roles, the Yankees are playing their favorite role. The Rays are playing their upstart role. And the Rays, I think, should be very comfortable in that role they're into. And should it go to the bullpen, they should be very confident because that bullpen has been very strong, not just in the playoffs, but all season long. And look, this is the MO of the Rays. They're going to try to take you to the limit and try to find that moment or two in the game to beat you. And this is going to be fascinating baseball to watch, no doubt about that. I'm a big fan of Kevin Cash, too. I think he's a, a really good manager, and I like his style. He seems like the kind of guy that you want to get up and play for. And I feel like you know we're kind of missing some personalities sometimes nowadays in the managerial world of Major League Baseball, and I like Cash. I think he brings that kind of energy, and there's a vibe about him. There's an intensity about him that I think really is reflective of how the Rays go out there and play, especially in this last series. Yeah, and I, and I think the Rays' plan appears to be tonight. Cole probably won't have any kind of limit, if if anything, seven or eight in. I mean, he'll need Chapman, you know, he'll need the bullpen. Uh, right. We'll see both those guys. But for the Rays, it looks like Glasnow's a two or three inning guy, and then Snell for two or three innings, and then 
uh, piecing together the rest. And and that seems to be the way that they're going to they're going to go with this. And the Rays, again, have a lot of different looks they could bring out of the bullpen. But for them, it's more of a bullpen day. And, and Glasgow's got a really long future with Tampa Bay. And I don't think that they're going to let him go out there and throw 100 pitches after doing that two days ago. But at yeah. the very least, what you're getting is a ton of drama tonight. This is great for everybody to be able to watch. The good thing is, too, outside of the NBA, don't have really a lot of a competition. There's a good college football game on tonight, too. But in general, I think that's what most people will be tuned into. So for those of you who watch here on SportsGrid, you can catch our show in-game live and catch all of the action as it happens right here throughout the day for sure. So coming up next, it's time for us to take our final look this week at some fantasy football start and sit possibilities. Now, again, some games are potentially in jeopardy, so we're going to have to kind of navigate this as we go, but we'll do that for you before we check in with two of our guests today on the show. The first is Jim Sanders from Number Fire. We're going to go through the DFS slate coming up this Sunday. And the second is Howard Bender from Wager Alarm and Fantasy Alarm as Howard and I actually this week do have a few games that we are leaning toward before we get into the weekend. So make sure you stay tuned for that as well in the second hour of Fantasy Sports today. We'll take a quick timeout and be right back right here on FST. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish and Joe at JoePizzapia17. Be right back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you as we embark on week five of the fantasy football season lot to get to here this week and take a look at some potential matchups. Keep in mind that there are still some games in jeopardy playing on Monday and on Tuesday and maybe not at all. So if you're watching us on demand, take all of those things, please, with a grain of salt. Try to do our best to navigate that for sure. And that goes for the running back position, Joe, this week, where if we're about to lose some more players uh, in on New York and Arizona, it's very hard to look at any running back and say sit. <laughs> like, I mean, how, how can you? I, I mean, I don't know how you can. Uh, unless unless you you know have a miracle team here where you have so many running backs in your stable that you can start but wide receiver a little different tight end you know you can always stream guys and quarterback you can always find some but Mm -hmm. we're going to take a look at running backs here and for me I, I just simply don't know how you can sit how you can be in a position to sit any of the players that we're going to talk about honestly well look if you're playing in a what makes this difficult? Well, let's start here before we even get into the next bar. What makes this all difficult is these are becoming bye weeks that you're not prepared for. You know, it's one thing you have a plan, waivers process, and all of a sudden you have these positive tests creep up, and then all of a sudden, oh, now I got to go to the waiver wire again potentially, or I don't have a plan. I didn't make a trade. I wasn't able to get enough. And and running back is a lot like starting pitching. You can never have enough of it. And if you think you have too much, guess what? There's no such thing. So with the running back position, you're right. There's going to be some names out there. They're going to be very difficult to sit. And obviously right now with the tenuousness of the Jets situation here, Kenyon Drake is not even somebody we can talk about one way or another. So we'll skip in and let's go to Antonio Gibson, who might be a guy on your bench, but I think you should feel good about starting him this week. Uh, The upgrade, and and again, I say upgrade with a very small lowercase u 
of quarterback, in my opinion, to Kyle Allen over Dwayne Haskins. I think Kyle Allen can continue to make Gibson somebody that is fantasy relevant. You see him starting to catch the football a little bit more on the offense. That's a good thing. He was a wide receiver in college, so he's starting to transition a little bit. You're seeing the uptick in points slowly as he gets more comfortable at the running back position, but also more comfortable in the offense. And I think this is a guy that if you are now stuck with a bunch of guys out that you look and you say, okay, I can throw in Antonio Gibson this week, so I will be starting him. You have to start Mark Ingram this week, and I know a lot of people don't, but you have to. But in that backfield as well, I'm telling you right now, I think there's a chance at least that if you are desperate, that Gus Edwards could be a streamer for you if you are missing a ton of running backs this week because I think he's going to get some work in that game as well. Uh, you're in a tough situation now, and this one just got tougher because there was news this morning that Cam Akers is also going to be active for this game coming up. So now you got Daryl Henderson, you got Malcolm Brown, and you got Akers. And you know what? If you've got them all, <laughs> you might have to just flip a coin, spin a bottle. I don't know. It's going to be very difficult. Nobody knows, and don't let anybody tell you what that's going to be. Unfortunately, you're stuck in a spot here where you're going to have to play them. And if you only have one of them, you might have to play one of them at a flex this week. Craig is right. You're kind of getting desperate at the running back situation between the injuries and all of these missed games. Joshua Kelly... And the next one here, uh, obviously, this is a guy that is going to get a lot more opportunity, but don't forget about Justin Jackson. If for some reason he was not picked up, I would absolutely be looking to add him right now, okay? This is not the best matchup in the world. However, I do think there's opportunity here for both guys to score some points. Kelly's look good at times. The problem is the fumbles for him. And Dearness Johnson has a very tough matchup. I know a lot of people spend a lot of money, including myself, on Dearness Johnson this week to probably add him to some rosters. However, against the Indianapolis Colts, it's going to be a long day at the offense. So here's the thing to remember with him. You're going to put him out there if you have to, and you hope for the best. But no matter what you see in the next two weeks, because he's going to play Indianapolis and then Pittsburgh back to back, after that, the schedule gets better. Don't sour too quickly on Dearness Johnson. And if you missed out on him, he might be a guy that gets dropped to the waiver wire or be an interesting trade target after the next two weeks if things should go awry. So keep an eye on that stock. It could be very volatile. If he has a great game against Indianapolis, oh my goodness, good thing, really good things could be uh, headed his way. But it is a tough, tough week at running back. There's no doubt about that. And that Ram situation, Craig, I think is the toughest of all. Yeah, it is. And and I just, and again, looking at these names, I, I don't know how anyone in a fantasy league that plays in a 12-team league has two running backs that are better than than these options that we're talking about. I mean, only Justin Jackson is the only one on here that I see that would be questionable. <laughs> I, I think every other player is either a starter or a flex option. Mm -hmm. And again, that's, it's, that's not given a normal week. It's just given the week that we're about to go to. And, mm -hmm. and and simply put, if we're if we're possibly putting off a Jets Cardinals matchup, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that every single one of the names that we just talked about is starting for you. Maybe with the exception of Jackson, because I can understand that he essentially is a backup going into the game. In my mind, when he's played, hasn't really shown that much. So. Yes, Kelly could not do well, and then Jackson could come in, but I do think Kelly's going to get the first opportunity, and then what if he does well? That's the only one for me. I, Malcolm Brown could get goal line yeah. carries. Henderson was the guy before that. Do you, does anybody really have better options than these guys? If you do, let no, us know. You know what, it, the interesting part about this, and I know we're going to move on quickly to wide receiver, but what's interesting about this is if you have a, a really good – RB1 situation, you have a really good wide receiver in your flex. You might have two or three of these guys to be choosing from. I know I do. I have Dearness Johnson 
and Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson on a team. And I'm trying to figure out who I want to start in that second RB spot. I've got all three of them, right? So it's what's happening is you're having to choose between these names and you have to look at it and say, okay, who has the most touchdown equity in a standard league? Who in this situation has the most PPR upside? And I think you have to start looking and hyper-focusing on what the scoring system you're playing in to make the decisions at your flex between two or three of these guys or RB2. And I think that is what most fantasy owners are having to deal with is the decision-making process. Not, well, somebody's going to have to start. Of course, these guys are going to be starting, but which of these three or who is the best in this ranking and grouping there? And I think that's where everybody's starting to struggle. All right, let's take a look at the wide receivers here and run through them. We're going to start off by looking at the Baltimore-Cincinnati game and Marquise Brown, of course, there, their top guy on the outside. Justin Jefferson of Minnesota at Seattle. Russell Gage for Atlanta. Certainly would be a good play if Julio Jones is out. T.Y. Hilton's been mostly silent this season, but he gets a good matchup at Cleveland. And on the flip side, Jarvis Landry will host the Indianapolis Colts. And then Cincinnati... Uh, has been pretty effective offensively, and A.J. Green has not, but T. Higgins seems to be coming on in a big way. We'll see if they can keep that game close or maybe win, who knows, at Baltimore this week, Joe. So how do you see those? Well, I think Marquise Brown is a start. You take your shot there. I know he's a little boomer bust, but that Cincinnati defense is not very good. Lamar Jackson is going to play, so he is still a start for me. Justin Jefferson absolutely is a start. Jamal Adams is going to be out again on Sunday Night Football. That should be a very entertaining game from a scoring standpoint. Uh, Still waiting for more news and clarity when it comes to Julio and Ridley, but Julio does not look good for this week. Uh, We'll see if Ridley can get there. But either way, Russell Gage will be interesting. And if you need a streamer this week, I'm telling you, Zacchaeus is out there if Ridley doesn't play or if things are not coming out very well for him this weekend. It's one of these streamer names. Maybe you pick him up. You have a good start for him. He showed you a couple things last week. T.Y. Hilton, I think T.Y. Hilton is a sit if you can afford to do it. He just has not been good this year. I just think there's other ways to go about it, and that Indianapolis offense is lackluster to say the least. Jarvis Landry also would be a sit for me. I understand last week was a huge week against Dallas, but guess what? They get the inverse this week with Indianapolis, the best defense. So they've gone from the worst to the best in one week. If you can avoid or look for somebody else more upside, I would do that. I would sit A.J. Green and sit T. Higgins if you could, too. However, I would still play Tyler Boyd. I'm getting a ton of Tyler Boyd questions uh, in the last 24 hours, and I continue to play him if I'm out there. And I understand it's a tough matchup. I understand Baltimore. Yes, I get all that. But Joe Burrow is going to show some fire. Even if Joe Burrow makes mistakes, he's going to go out there and continue to try to be competitive. That's who Joe Burrow has shown you that he is, not just in college, but in the NFL. So do not go out of your way to sit uh, uh, Tyler Boyd at this point. And T. Higgins, between the two, if you have him and A.J. Green, I would start T. Higgins over A.J. Green this week as well. Yeah, and and, and I, look, Baltimore at home last week, lost oh, last year lost to Cleveland, so they're not invincible, and Cincinnati has no. shown they can score, so who knows? I, I mean, that seems like a really big line in that game, too. Okay, start sit for the tight end position. We've got Evan Engram. It's like automatic playing guys against Dallas at this point. He starts for the Giants. Greg Olson, who has come alive a little bit, takes on Minnesota. Logan Thomas of Washington. We'll see how he matches up with Kyle Allen this week if they're on the same page. Austin Hooper finally caught a touchdown pass. He'll go up against the Colts. And Hayden Hurst for Atlanta uh, up against Carolina, just depending on the health of the receivers, Joe seems to be a, a key to starting him or sitting him. Yeah, and look, for me, I think you do keep an eye on that wide receiver situation. But Hayden Hurst, I think either way, at least has some touchdown upside in this contest against Carolina. So he would be a start. Hooper would be a sit for me. I know he had some moments last week, but yet again, everybody had moments last week. It was the Cowboys, for God's sake. So don't read too much into this. I am fascinated to see what happens with Logan Thomas, with Kyle Allen. 
Let's see who he becomes, if he becomes something different here. I think the guy's got a lot of talent. He's getting some targets. The problem is, can he convert those targets into fantasy points? He's on the border. Again, he might be one of these guys. You could also stream in those 10-team leagues. If all of a sudden you've missed players, you don't realize that, you know, oh, my God, I'm missing this game now, or this game got moved, and now I don't feel good about it. He's a guy to keep an eye on. I would be starting Greg Olson this week against Minnesota. They have terrible numbers against the tight ends so far this year. And Evan Ingram is an automatic start this week against the Cowboys, as is any other giant you can get your hands on right now, except for Devontae Freeman. I just I can't feel good about starting Devonta Freeman no matter what in this game. All right, and at quarterback, as we cap it off, assuming that the Saints and Chargers play with with their potential hurricane, it seems like they're going to get the game in if they have to move it. Who knows? But uh, Breeze up up against the Chargers. We have Teddy Bridgewater coming off a great game at Atlanta. Jared Goff of the Rams against Washington. Fitzpatrick on the road against San Francisco. And Daniel Jones is just a question of, of how many touchdowns he throws against Dallas. They look like the worst defense in the NFL in years, Joe. So uh, who are you sitting amongst these players? <laughs> it's well, look, I, yeah, I think you're definitely uh, sitting Fitzpatrick this week. Uh, forget the garbage time. Forget anything else that could be up for grabs. Um, I would absolutely be sitting him in a two-quarterback league if that was your streaming options. Uh, Daniel Jones, I know a lot of people are looking forward to him against Dallas, but let's not forget he does fumble and turn over the ball a ton. That's one caveat. Look at your league scoring. If that's something that really hurts you, I would be a little afraid. But it is Dallas, and everybody seems to be putting up points against Dallas, so I think he is a start again you know, lowercase s, this is, we might have to start these guys if we're missing some more quarterbacks this week. Uh, Goff is a really tricky one against Washington. I'm just saying, like, the the inconsistency of the Rams has been absolutely infuriating, not just week to week, but quarter to quarter. They can look as bad as they did in that first half against Buffalo, and then all of a sudden put up a ton of points and look great. Then there's games where you expect them to roll over a team like the Giants, and then they're struggling all over the place. They are a very strange football team. And kind of like last week, whenever we're looking for, uh, you know, what, what is it? Like, everything seems like a lock. All these games seem like, oh, this team is clearly favored. We've had some big lines, so many big lines. It's hard for us to find is the wrong team favored and enough teams in situations and games to make up that segment. This is one that's really tricky for me. I tell you what, I would rather be starting Teddy Bridgewater than Fitzpatrick or Daniel Jones. I feel much better about that. But golf is a guy that right on that bubble for me. And I'll be very, very careful about what you do with Jared Goff this week. Maybe he'll have a big game, maybe not. But the travel, the inconsistencies of that offense so far, now you have all three running backs healthy. There's a lot of questions here with the Rams. Yeah, and, and there and there are with a lot of teams. It's, the problem is there aren't many teams that have separated themselves like Kansas City. It's just it's very difficult uh, every week in the NFL. You can't, you can't go into Thursday night thinking the Bears are going to beat the Bucs, maybe cover, and then here they are. You know, they're 4-1. and one. And, and the Rams are very similar to Chicago in that way, where it doesn't look like they're all that impressive, but in the end, they're going to get their nine wins or ten wins. You won't count on them in the playoffs, but one more win for the Rams, however they do it, you have to start taking them seriously this season, I suppose. Okay, coming up next, it's time for us to take a look at the best FanDuel values from Joe here coming up in Week 5. And then we'll get to our headlines at the top of the hour and then full and in-depth DFS discussion on all the plays of quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, as well as some potential picks that you could use if you're wagering this week, as Howard and I are at the Westgate Super Contest as we go for another, hopefully, 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one or maybe 5-0 and oh week in the NFL coming up. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Stay on SportsGrid. we got more for you, so make sure you don't go away.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports. Today, as we wrap up this hour, we got another one coming for you. So make sure you stay right on the grid here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. DFS action this week. We'll look at some potential options, and Joe will be involved in that. So he'll give you some tips on who to play on FanDuel this week and who will be in his lineups. Joe, who do you got this week? Well, look, like you've seen the last couple million-dollar lineups, uh, sometimes the chalk is good, and I keep trying to get that to everybody. So it's not there's absolutely nothing wrong with paying up for some of the bigger chalk, obviously, that what's going on there. But let's also talk about some of the more cost-effective stacks that could be out there, too. Teddy Bridgewater uh, is, is a guy, too, in that Carolina offense. It could be very good here. But, look, we're talking about value here. It's a very good value for him. Only about 7K for him against Atlanta. Atlanta doesn't tackle anybody. He's played really well with Robbie Anderson, who's also on this list here. That's a really great pairing. That allows you to go up to the top of the board at running back if you want to get an Ezekiel Elliott this week or something like that. Uh, James Robinson, another guy to keep in mind, too. Just 66 against Houston. Uh, Houston's had trouble all over the place. James Robinson's getting a ton of catches. You look at the game log. You look at the consistency of that. I understand last week was a little bit of a down week, but I don't care. I'm looking at the volume and the volume in that price is worth rostering him he's a great investment and the tight end position too against dallas i mean it's all hands on deck without sterling shepherd without saquon barkley you're going to see enough evan ingram and darius slate in this game i think ingram is a really good value this week at five and a half that's just a guy that you know is going to get some targets you know has some touchdown upside too and I think those are the kind of players you want to make sure you're targeting this week. And regardless of how much ownership percentage or roster percentage you're going to get on a guy like Teddy Bridgewater or a tournament, it doesn't make it a bad play. If he returns that investment, then it's a good play. And once again, we are looking now for running backs. We're missing so many top ones because of injury, so many more potentially because of canceled or moved games. you got to really target. There's some good value there with guys like Connor. Good value there with Mike Davis and, of course, uh, James Robinson, who we just talked about, too. So there are some moves and things you could do to go up to the board for Dak, for for any of those guys you want to get involved in the very high end in terms of offense this week. All right, our headlines are coming up next here at the top of the hour. Make sure you stay locked right here to SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com as we're going to deliver it to you. What's next in Major League Baseball? Well, American League, of course, Division Series Game 5. We'll have a preview of that. Talk about the college football game tonight as well. And the latest in the NFL, when will games be played? That's probably the biggest question this year. I'll have it for you next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.